again because i'm still on the road broke this one into three parts we got uh part one talking to unspeakable part two talking to mc and i part three talking to them together about their duo the art is by mike riley comics check him out at mikerileycomics.com and check out splice today where this episode is being hosted Let's go, let's, go, let's, go, let's go in. Let's go in. I was born in a little town called Elkin, North Carolina, which is west of Winston-Salem. I was born January 18th during the middle of a snowstorm. Aaron was born in Winston, and our family, we're, we're from western North Carolina, but my mother and my father separated and our family moved to Emerald Island, North Carolina, where we both grew up. So it was really interesting because we spent a lot of our time like around like wilderness areas, like big open spaces, like even in like, you've been to where we're from, Dan, like Western North Carolina, you know, like how those hills go, the farmlands. But it's also like that at the beach too. It's like nothing but empty space and stuff. Mm. What was it? What did you make of it as a kid? I don't know. It, it just, it gave you time to think. Like, my mom would always pick us up at about, like, 5 o'clock and be driving home with the radio on so you can just stare out the window and, like, watch images pass by. And even as a little kid, like, listening to something like Elton John or, like, Hotel California. Yeah. And uh, it's it's really weird. Like, I don't know, music sort of, like, hypnotized me, like, as a young age, like, you're trying to get home to watch Power Rangers on time, but like you almost don't want to. Sort of froze time in a <laughs> yeah, way. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like what was the first stuff you got into? Probably like really bad like new metal, like uh corn. That's what's up. <laughs> yeah, thanks to my, my stepbrother. I, I really like like the down pitched, like angry stuff, but that was probably like when I was thirteen. But like Music was always sort of almost secondary because I always wanted to be like a writer. When I was a kid, I was mm. always like, my mom read to me a lot, you know? So yeah. I was always like the quiet one in the corner, like trying to feed my mind and like, you know, don't don't cause a scene, you know, be a good kid, you know, yeah. just do all that. So I started like writing when I was maybe in like fifth grade or something like that, like writing probably like the worst, most pretentious like poetry, like, like the bad like stupid stuff because i was like oh I've, I've read about these people in magazines maybe i can like try and be like a writer type thing right so around like the time like i'm listening to like heavy metal music and like reading a lot it's like the two sort of intertwined like the words and then sound intertwined mm. with it so as as i probably wanted to be like super pretentious and like stuff like that i started like actively searching out like what is real punk rock like who are the clash and like the slits and like stuff like that yeah so that was about like high school yeah yeah do you like have other people with you on this journey are you like you know what i mean like other people that have similar interests around you or like i i had friends that like really liked like the same sort of heavy music or something like that but they weren't really like musically like creative and clever but my first year at high school man like like a couple of days in there man i ran sam uh herring like went to our high school oh yeah yeah. and like i ran into him i was like dude man like because he had those mutton chops you know like everybody (laughs) knew him for that and i was wearing like some hot topic like clash t-shirt he's like oh yeah the clash and i was like oh yeah yeah i like the clash too you know that type of thing yeah and like um through them like probably over like the next like two years like we had like a collection of friends like the emerald isle type Uh people uh danny ness and reese mcgowan and like they they were like the first people to do like the four track like stuff people that i could actually like sit down and like whoa you're playing with this big thing that looks like 10 like telephone books like 
big plastic like four track like cassette maker like yeah like overdub things and you're you're just like whoa like i could do that too you know what i'm saying and like being like literary like mr like pretentious dude i like was listening to tortoise you know yeah so i started coming up with like the idea of how to play sounds in like a very unorthodox way like surrealist dada like type stuff you know like i don't know being like the pretentious kid in school i was always like reading about like all these stupid things i was like maybe i could do this and it would be real special you know yeah yeah so uh i was playing around with uh the bass guitar i got my mom to get me when i was 13 14 years old and you know doing like the old sonic youth thing like putting drumsticks through the things and like messing with the input jacks yeah and like making noise and meanwhile like my my like stepbrother could actually play and eric could really like play Mm. you know so fiddling around with that like sam graduated and he came back for my friend reese's 18th birthday party and he was like yeah man check it out like i started this band we're called art lord and the self-portraits yeah he's like listen man listen to cdr and we're sitting in like the clubhouse of this uh like little beach condominium resort called uh, Pebble Beach. And like everybody's outside like eating watermelon. He's like, no, no, dude, just check it out. Listen to it. It sounds like Joy Division and David Bowie. I was like, I don't hear it, man, but this rocks, dude. Because it was really cool because you got like a dude that I knew had actually like started a band because before that there were only like high school punk bands, you know? It wasn't like what I considered like real music like art music or right right you know what i'm saying like something very creative and uh i don't know man like after that this dude named john slick like uh pretty much started going to my school tight name oh he's a that's a real name s-l-y-c-k and he was from uh his family was from Landstuhl, germany and his dad uh was like a medic uh a teacher's medic for like the army base you know that they have over there when they send wounded people to germany instead of like flying them back to America yeah, yeah. for medical care yeah <laughs> that's what's up. but anyway this guy was like a legitimate like the craziest person that like you could ever like think of like reading like anarchist like literature like how to make a bomb and how to make like uh what cow traps for like eco-terrorism and like reading angela davis and like all these like really like heavy political books right yeah but like the coolest dude you could ever want to hang out with like the type of person that you could like drink like a space bag with and just go like crazy as like a 17 year old like going wild you know yeah yeah so me and him started this band it was called ran man and the schwintastical players association tight and it was uh sort of like a really ramshackle version of like Perubu. Okay. And um we we uh we booked the show at Slick's dad's house. His dad went away for the weekend and it was us and Art Lord, right? And yeah. I was I was 16 years old and I you know had printed out these flyers like reading books about like how did the punk scene in New York City start? Old oh, people just started bands and you know, if they yeah. if they couldn't get a show, they did it themselves, right? Right, right, right. So we were like, all right, well, we know these guys, and we have friends. Let's get together and, like, have a show. So we didn't even have a PA system. Like, everybody just had, like, bass amps and stuff like that. Yeah. We set up in the living room. And what's weird is, like, on Emerald Isle, the houses are on stilts. Oh, yeah. They're, yeah. like, lifted up 12, 15 feet in the air, right, with glass sliding doors. And you got a bunch of, like, 17, 18-year-old kids, right? Yeah. And, like, Sam William and Garrett, I think, had just gotten, like, a drinking ticket at ECU, like, the night before they went to play the show. And mm-hmm. there was only one person over age at this at this party, right? Yeah. And, like, they are like, not not uh, our Lord, but, like, the people at the party were like, all right, just go get wine, get a case of beer, go get all this. And the guys are like, yeah, no, I don't want to do any of that, right? So we started playing, and it's a bunch of crazy kids, like, going wild. Like, Aaron was there, and his friend Charles were there. Like, they were younger than me at the time, like, 13 and 14. Mm. And they had already started, like, playing music on the side. But, like, 
it's weird. Like you don't think about it until like it happens. You're like, oh, we're actually really a levitated speaker box on like 20 foot pylons, right? So we played like a short set and then Art Lord played and then the cops came like that, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we set it down. But the weird thing is like John Slick was such a crazy person that he talked his way out of it. You know, he talked to the cops like, no, this is my house. You're not allowed to come here. Slam the door in his face and like all that stuff. So they got us a show in Greenville at the old peasants opening up for them in Valiant Thor. Oh, yeah. And uh, it was a wild show. The first time I had ever like been in, in a bar at the time. Yeah. I had just gotten my uh, learner's permit where you can't drive after nine o'clock at night, right? Yeah. So like me being a dumbass, like I got in the car after our set and like we were leaving. I got like a half block up and it's like blue lights. Oh shit! You know I got Damn. in trouble my first time like really going to another city trying to play a show. Right? Yeah. With that. But that was fun. You know, we were we were going to record uh, a little bit of stuff and somewhere out there the demo t- tapes for that stuff uh, still exist, but like people went to college, you know, and all that. And like John Slick ended up being like a transvestite, like hobo, like riding the rails, like for real, like a hard dude that would pull out a switchblade on anybody. Like still yeah. one of my best friends, you know, but just like that crazy out of the box, like, type of mindset like, right 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 like a legitimate psychopath like you know there's yeah. just some people out there and like that person happened to like go to my school <laughs> right and right. be like the singer of my band you know what i'm saying and like there's pictures out there of us like wearing like leopard skin like unitards and like looking like crazy like new york doll meets diva like falling out of the closet like the day after halloween you yeah. know what i'm saying so uh after that happened, you know, I graduated from uh, high school, and it was all right. You know, I, I wasn't the best student. I was yeah. more like, uh, I'll be the president of the chess club, and, like, I'll chair, like, Writers Guild, you know, an art society, but get Bs and Cs and not qualified to, like, get real financial aid at college, you know? Yeah. So I was like, all right, I got friends that know how to play music and stuff and they had the scene down in greenville because at the time i was going down there like on thursday nights and like they used to have this thing called dance music for nerds on thursday nights at peasants where like you know at the time when the faint were big and like the rapture like the early like 2000s yeah they used to have like that type of night and like all my friends would go you know so i'm like getting wine drunk and then driving 45 minutes back to go to class like the next day at like 7 a.m yeah i mean i've always had good luck like that but i don't do that shit anymore but yeah just like you know being a wild kid right you know so they had this scene you know backdoor was like starting to get good i'd seen i I met you at uh, the bonkway house right before i actually moved there you were playing with uh dan deacon i was really smashed it I don't think it was the same night that Indian Jewelry played. Were you there when they? No. No? I never played with them. I don't think. Dude. One of the best shows that Greenville ever had. Man. Oh, cool. Incredible man. band. But, like, they were booking all these bands, and it's like, at the time, we were all like, okay, it's, like, a little bit, like, weird and all this stuff, but everybody supported each other. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, when you guys would come through or, like, People would just like, even if there were only 25 people, everybody was jammed together, you know, and going nuts on the best oh, yeah, nights, yeah, totally. you know, and that just was really ex- ins- uh, inspiring to me, yeah. you know, like Jeff Blender and all that. Like, right, right. If it wasn't for that guy, man, so many people wouldn't have known each other, like wouldn't have gotten together or anything like that. Yeah, so, totally. You know, he's got to get an episode on here as well, I think. Yeah. But like. And, and do you keep doing bands and stuff, like, as you are in Greenville? Well, besides, like, booking shows and promoting it, like, uh-huh. there, like, I did, like, a bunch of, like, one or two off, like, semi-serious groups, like, me and William Cashin and uh, Ben Bolts, you know, Adventure? Yeah. We had a band with uh, Jim Caps called Teen Wave, and we only played two shows, but, like, one of them was opening for this Canadian band, The Creeping Nobodies. Uh-huh man that show was slamming like jim caps got up and like broke all these fluorescent lights with his drumsticks and shit like that it's just like crazy but 
Oh, we do all these gimmicky bands. Yeah. You, know, you remember how Jeff used to book like seven or eight bands at once at, yeah. at the 11th Street House, you know? And we'd be like, well, you know what? I'm, I'm throwing this show. You're like, I'm going to make up a band called the Tricycle Unicorn Brigade, you yeah. know? And like, just get some people together and then you jam and you play and just create something. And even if it wasn't like the best thing, it's just like, it's the best thing for you. You know right, what I'm saying? Right, right. To get that creative spirit out like i used to feel that way whenever like you guys would come and play and like you'd make the house shake like the beams on the floors would bounce up and down <laughs> you know and like people were going wild like that energy was just so inspiring you know so with with these with these shows man with you guys like coming through people started doing their own things you know and some of these bands you know, maybe made some like music, you know, and, and it got out there. And you remember that big rash where there were uh, paper covers with CDRs that maybe didn't have any information on it. You yeah. Know? And you'd play with a band one night in a house and then they're gone the next day. Right, and right, you, right. you maybe never hear, you know. Yeah. I still have like my collection of all these stuff. And I look yeah. through them. I'm just like, man, think of all these individuals and like some of the recordings are just class like pure class like even if it's lo-fi it's still so good that people put that out there right 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 totally and i like i said i'm really self-critical but at the same time i have this like fucking impending morale uh mortality like fear you know i just yeah. i want to create and express myself and like put it all out there because i know like this is like i'm you know we gotta do good in this life you yeah. know what i'm saying you know? right 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 totally and it, even if there may be nothing after maybe our arts and our crafts are what we put out there basically for people to remember us oh by. yeah totally. all right let's do part two with mc and i i guess my my, my dad was uh not the best dad you know he abused my mom and stuff like that Mm. And um, yeah, I've actually never heard you mention your dad ever. Yeah, well, my dad he died when I was sixteen. Oh, but um, he was never really a big part of me or Josh's life. Yeah, yeah. And I think Josh holds like more, like, negative feelings or like hate towards dad or whatever because yeah. he like actually saw like the you know him he knew like. But all right, so basically, in a nutshell, like my dad was like a con man. He was a horticulturist. He had a degree. In horticulture, uh, he spent most of his life landscaping, um, but he also loved to drink and do drugs and all this crazy stuff, you know. And, yeah. Um, my mom was a social worker um, in nursing homes for a good like fifteen years, mm. um, and she's from the Winston Salem Yadkin County area, uh, the Piedmont stuff. But uh, so I lived there till I was four, um, and we moved my well. So I guess my parents split up, and um, my mom met my stepdad, and he basically raised me and Josh since I can remember. Oh, cool. since I was like a baby. Yeah. Um, and he he's from Havelock, North Carolina, which uh, Sam mentioned in his episode about going to the tape place, which is actually like the first place I remember going, like to buy CDs oh, and yeah. shit too. Um, but he's from Havelock, which is a military base in eastern North Carolina, and um. So they met, I, I guess my mom like went down there with her best friend when I was super young, babyish, you know, and uh, she went out and met my stepdad at like a pool hall or something, you know, I don't know yeah. how they met or whatever, but um, so they got together and he would come up to the mountains and stuff and stay with us and stuff and then go back and work like on the weeks or whatever. And then eventually they decided to get together like officially and um we moved down to the coast so although i was born in the west i was raised down east i've heard a lot you mentioned like doing music since you were really young like like what kind of stuff were you doing i suppose i i think i got into music because my stepdad had a guitar and my stepbrother justin had a guitar and my stepdad just picked with it. You know, he didn't really, he's not really like killer on the yeah. strings or anything, but he had this harmony guitar that I think we had just wrecked and like tore all the strings off of and shit. But I remember like coming to my stepbrother 
and being like, I, I want to learn like how to play this shit. Yeah. And uh, so like he it only had like the top like two strings or whatever. And he was trying to show me like power chords and stuff like that. And I wasn't going past the one finger deal or whatever. But I remember the, the very first two songs he taught me, which are actually kind of complicated in my opinion for a beginner, but was uh, Come As You Are by mm. Nirvana and um, Blueprint by Fugazi, okay. which is a strange thing. Like most people are like, I learned smoke on the water. Yeah, There's yeah, some yeah. shit like. But I remember, like, really, that was, like, one of the things where, like, he had Repeater, and uh, he played that a lot, but he really only liked Blueprint because of the part that's like, I'm not playing with you, I'm mm. not playing with you. I think he just thought that was, like, cool or some shit. Like, yeah. I don't think he really, like, focused on the rest of the music or mm. like, what they're yeah, about yeah, yeah. or whatever. I think I get the musical thing from my stepbrother and then, like, the more artistic ideas and, you know stuff from josh yeah i think he i heard him when i was walking through here say pretentious a couple times i (laughs) I think he was pretty pretentious how so well i mean once he caught on to shit like rage against the machine being like a fire act or something like that you know that's when he was like these guys got it figured out like you know fuck no effects or like whatever you know like they're not punk or some shit you know like he always had some shit to say you know or something like that you know so i guess uh i also i should mention charles umbles yeah is uh you know and through skateboarding and already fiddling around the guitar with my stepbrother he would teach me go on to teach me all this crazy stuff and um i i guess i ran into charles at school i've known charles since i was probably about 11 Mm. he's one of my best friends in the world Mm. And uh, we had our first band. It was both, it was no bass players, just two guitars and the drums. Yeah. And we'd do like White Stripes covers and, you know, Chuck Berry and just simple, yeah. you know, just cover songs, you know, of the times and classic rock shit. Cool. But um, we were, we were called uh, Unison Yell. Hey. And uh, I don't, I think we were riding with Charles' mom one day and he was just like, man, why don't we call ourselves like Unison Yell? Like, we're all shouting mm-hmm. together or some shit. I was like, that's a tight name, you know? Yeah. Kind of corny looking back on it, but nah, uh, I think it's a tight name. Yeah. So yeah, we start playing gigs and stuff and uh, actually doing it, you know, without the help of anybody. Like, yeah. Mm. But, uh, so anyways, we started the first band or whatever. And, uh, around that time we started playing and we do like battle of the bands at like high schools and stuff yeah. like that. And uh, we were a band for like a year and a half or something like that. And we eventually added a bass player. This girl, Jasa, played with okay. us for a little while. And she was like this weird like Mormon girl who's like killer on the bass. And she yeah. played with like the school band and stuff. But her parents were like totally like not having it. Yeah. Like with like playing with these hoodlum kids. Like right, right, right. tearing it up, skating. And you know, we all had long hair and started fucking stealing parents' cigarettes and just doing every shit that every young teen does and fucking up and getting influenced by older kids and partying and stuff so she wasn't trying to have that so i I think like her mom made her quit the band or something like that yeah and like around that time that's when we started getting good like we won a couple battle of the bands at um the high school joel actually went to uh west carteret and richard too um and then at croatan high school which was the school that me and josh and sam and all these other people went to um but yeah, we won these two battle of the bands, and uh, after that, like the girl had to quit or whatever happened, and I think after that, his older brother Mac lost interest and started getting back into like, um, you know, gonna hit these waves and go surfing, like fuck the band yeah. type thing. <laughs> so after that, like we started learning about my older brother doing his Rand Man band and stuff, yeah. and and uh, we're still playing in different bands or trying to set up stuff and get it going. And then I, and that was like middle school. So I guess around the time I had got to high school, Josh started taking me to shows and stuff, mm. which was a big thing in my mind. Now that I look back on it, how weird it is to see like a 15 year old kid at like a show with a bunch yeah. of college kids, like at 11th street or some shit yeah. where everybody's breaking the floor. They're dancing so hard and shit. Yeah. Like, and I'd seen Jeff turn turn away at many a kids who didn't have IDs or whatever at, at his gallery or whatever. Right, whenever right. shit started to get a little tight, but yeah. they'd always let me in. You know, nice. Josh brought me just about every weekend to see you and you know all these other bands and stuff, and I was just like a total 
eye opener. Yeah. Um, you know, seeing like Zom Zoms and Dan Deacon and all these, you know, bands like playing in houses was like insane. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess to keep it moving, I don't really know how I got into rap music. Mm. Um, I mean, we played in all different kinds of bands. I'd be going to Greenville and eventually my third official band was with Josh and Richard Faulkner. Josh on bass, me on guitar, and Richard on drums. Yeah. And it was basically like Fugazi covers and noise. Like pretty much we, yeah. we were called Mountain Kitty. Okay. And uh, we'd play at Richard's wine store and stuff and, tight. you know, the Spaz house and shit. Yeah. We didn't have too many shows, but we played some pretty tight shows. We even had Homeless and a couple other people like come in and fuck with turntables and stuff in our sets and mm. stuff like that. Um, but yeah, that didn't last for very long. And I guess around that time probably you know i was going to these shows for like ninth tenth grade and around that time it was probably 2005 six seven something like that yeah uh my mom was diagnosed with uh rectal cancer Mm. and um so that was a that was a lot on me you know as like a teenager yeah josh had already he was already in college living in greenville at this time so like he didn't I, I mean, he, you know, he had to deal with it too, but he didn't have to deal with it like as much as I did because I was living there with my mom. And around this time, the housing market, I don't know if you remember around like 2007 or whatever, just like, just oh, yeah. died, you know, or whatever. Yeah. So that fucked my stepdad's business up and stuff. Right, right. Plus no more room to build down there at the coast, you know, right. and, you know, so that happened and it was just a big clusterfuck, you know. So we couldn't afford to live down there at the beach anymore. And um, so yeah, it's probably 2006 or seven. We made the move and um, my grandpa also died and he left my mom with some land back in Yadkin County. Which is uh, like Winston-Salem? It's, yeah, it's west of Winston-Salem oh. where we originally yeah. grew, were like grew up for a couple of yeah. years before we moved to the coast. So we went back there and she used what money she was left um, from my grandpa dying to build a house and my stepdad built the house built the house by himself like yeah like a huge fucking house she lives yeah. in a, basically like a ranch mansion type thing um so yeah we we had to move that was very stressful and traumatic now that i think back on it i think that kind of what caused some of my mental illnesses and also being extremely you know depressed and hormones and shit like this going on having to move away from kids i'd grown up with grew up with excuse me my entire life you know having to leave charles and all these other kids that i've known forever yeah and having to move out to the fucking sticks in the middle of nowhere right huge shock and then also dealing with my mom being sick and then my stepdad was you know my mom can't work so he had to be working all the time to pay her bills and you know the normal bills and stuff I had to go to this new school and um, totally whack school. <laughs> mm. uh, I had to finish my last two years there. Yeah. And uh, it was, I mean, it was cool. I remember being very upset. You know, I eventually adapted. So I, I met a couple cool kids. Uh, my friend Cameron was playing music with him and stuff. And I never really started any real bands with him or anything like that. Yeah. But uh, he introduced me to his uncle, Dustin Detour which was the dude who recorded some of the first rights stuff. Oh, okay. And uh, also around that whole depression time, I got to say, like, um, one thing that helped me out was Winterize the Game. Um, oh, shit. Even though it doesn't really apply to that situation or anything. or Yeah. Just stuff like hanging out late, late all alone and, you know, snow day and stuff like that was, like, kind of like, I'd, like, skip school and jack mom's car and drive around the hills, <laughs> like, blasting this shit, like, oh. 16, 17, man. I think I actually stole the CD from Josh. I think he he came up for like Thanksgiving and was like, "Yeah, this height CD or whatever, you know." And he he just came through and played and stuff. And I think I just kind of stole the CD from him. Um, I know that whole record back to back. It's like one of my favorites, man. Winterize, so dope. Um, so yeah, I think I mean I'd been exposed to rap music forever. Yeah, you know I remember seeing Ja Rule on TV and you know even old school stuff, Run DMC on VH1 and you know they do the hundred greatest whatever. You know I knew all this stuff and really into music and information and yeah, taking in all these. You know it wasn't just 
shitty metal music that my stepbrother and my brother listened to early on before they right. got into good music. You know, I, we we were all exposed to all kinds of stuff. Josh would, when I was probably seven or eight, Josh and his best friend Blake, they got really into NWA and Public Enemy and all oh, these yeah, yeah. Uh, controversial. I think the only reason that it's probably like the fuck the police song that they were like got into this rap music or yeah. whatever. And then later on, the older kids like Charles's cousin Reese and John Slick and Sam and all these dudes and Sam's brother Joel, they were like discovering the Andy Con stuff. Yeah. So I'd already been turned on to good rap music and stuff. And then before I even moved out west, I'd seen you play live and stuff. Oh yeah. So I think I remember bringing friends with me and seeing you play with like Jones and uh, maybe like Werewolf Unit. Yeah. Uh, and Justin yeah. maybe at the Spaz. And I think that was the first time I actually saw real hip-hop done you know not just like on tv like right, or whatever right. you know i knew like atmosphere right. and yeah all these semi-prominent underground heads but yeah not really on like a smaller diy scale or whatever so i've right. you know really the first real rap music i ever saw live was you that's crazy pretty much um that didn't change everything you know i mean yeah you, you know you've provided a shit ton of guidance faith and understanding to the bookhouse oh. so far man and i can't be more grateful it's difficult, if not impossible, to describe <laughs> how, you know, honored I am to have you uh, have us on this show or just help us with the music or whatever, you oh. know, always putting us on, man. So thank so you. Happy, but um, so, yeah, but not to take away from your thing, but you weren't the only person right. that, you know, so I was listening to all these different rap stuff. And, you know, I think like hearing your stuff and like just other underground cuts and stuff like that was the first thing that like. You know, I'd like rap can be cool, not like whack, yeah, like yeah. wangsta shit or whatever, you know, on TV and stuff. So, right. Um, I'd never really wrote songs though. Um, when me and Charles had the bands and stuff like that, I'd try to write original songs, but they were never really good. Mm. So, I was never really a writer. So, it's kind of weird. I don't know how I came to the I want to express myself through words thing. Yeah. I always wanted to start a band. And around that time, uh, there was not really a lot of people to start bands with. Um, I just knew Detour and Cameron, and we'd all play music. And Dustin was the first recording experience I had. He had also an eight-track tape machine. Yeah. And I was at that time I had started getting into psychedelic rock music. I had already gone through all these different phases in high school too. By yeah. the way, you know, even though I was going to these underground spaz shows in Greenville and stuff, I was like going through like a hippie phase where I was yeah. really into like '60s shit or whatever. Right, and then right. I. 10th grade, I was really into punk stuff. And then right. 11th, I was really into psychedelic stuff. And then by my senior year, I was starting to get into rap and all yeah. different, just different kinds of shit and starting to accept all different kinds and not just writing these different faces or whatever. Yeah. Or looks, rather. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I was really into, like, this psychedelic music and stuff. And me and Cameron and Dustin made some recordings, and that was the first recording experience I ever had. He basically controlled the whole thing, but, you know, I yeah. laid the stuff down and... I think that's where I first got the knack for, like, I can put music together. Mm. I consider myself a producer, but, like, I'd rather say I'm just a musician. Yeah. But I suck with technology. Like, put a dude in front of the computer and I can point at the different stuff, you know, tell me, you know, I want this here and here. Yeah. And make this go backwards and, you know, right, all this right. stuff. But I'm just not very good with the computer stuff, yeah. I guess. So that was the first time, I guess, I really, like, got... Like, where I was like, I can do this, or I could get behind the controls yeah. and make an actual song by myself. Um, so yeah, I graduated high school. Um, I met my now wife, Kimber, and um, we got together. And the night I graduated high school, I had my stuff packed up. And about a couple of weeks before that, we already had an apartment set up. She was already out on her own, she's had uh issues with her parents and stuff too. Yeah. Her mom was never around either, and uh, her dad really wasn't either and um so she's been out on her own since she was 15 or 16 you know running kitchens and working yeah. full time you know she she didn't quit school or anything like that she just couldn't attend because her parents wouldn't sign for her to go to school and stuff so she just had huh. i go on and on about her story which is a different yeah yeah personal conversation for the road one day or something like that but um you know she's had a really messed up life she, she so she I think she was the first person that showed me that you can be strong and uh, no matter what the situation is, you know, so I think she pulled me out of a lot of stuff at that time. I was throwing the parties, being a wild ass kid. Um, I still kind of am, but I've toned it down a hell of a lot mm. um, and grown up a little bit. But um, 
So I guess we got our first apartment together, and the night I graduated high school, I had my stuff packed up, and we left and moved into our first apartment together, Yeah, which was the dojo. Yeah. And uh, so fast forward to 2009, late 2009, um, already admired you and seen you a couple times play and stuff in a couple years before, so I think I contacted you and PT and just went direct to the source, I guess, and got up with you guys and was like, hey, you want to come play in my house? Or yeah. Whatever, yes. Yeah, we'll come. So I guess around that time, you guys started coming through, and uh, I think that's where I see him burn them play in my bedroom and seeing you guys do it and being like, if they can do it, I can do it too. Or yeah. I didn't have a band. I hadn't had a band for a long time and since I'd moved up yeah. out west. And um, so I figured, why not just do all this shit myself? Right. You know? Right. So, yeah, um, I started trying to play, like, live to like run the drum machine and play guitar and rap at the, like the same time onto these tapes and stuff. Which I'll have to let you hear some of these tapes, man, because they're kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, but like I just kept working at it, and I remember PT would come down not even to play shows, but just to hang out and stuff. And he worked with me a lot, and he was the first person who was like, "You need to like have a de- delivery. You know, you can't just like this isn't." It's poetry, you know, but you gotta ha- have some kind of like structure to a song, you know. You can't yeah. just like ramble on the microphone or whatever. Like you gotta have some rhythm or flow or whatever, you kinda. know. Yeah, Colin showed me a lot of stuff, and um, a lot. I've heard a lot of people say like, "Oh, you just sound like Peachy and Height." Like, uh, <laughs> I think maybe at the beginning, like when people start out, they try to uh, imitate people they admire yeah. or whatever. I wouldn't say I was doing that, but just trying to borrow from you guys, or I don't know. You can just tell the influence, you know, but yeah. I feel like now after years of doing this or whatever, I've finally found my own uh, style or whatever. You know, I feel like I've got a solid style that can go fast, slow, or whatever, you know, so, yeah. All right, let's do this third part with both guys. The first time I knew I was going to do this shit was when I fucking did that show at East Coast, man. And I've played hundreds, I'm not exaggerating, hundreds of shows as as a young kid, preteens and teenager, a young adult or whatever, and have never experienced a high like I had that night. Yeah. Whether or not the lyrics suck, I think of the energy I came with just fucking doing it. And I remember like it's kind of crazy like but like back in East Coast where they had the bathrooms like all like porno and shit back oh, there. Yeah. I remember walking back there for a second, like, I, I got to piss real quick right before I play. And um, I'd also done a bunch of drugs and stuff and drank, like, a couple 40s because I was extremely nervous. Which was another path, like, we'll talk about here in a sec. But, um, so, like, I went to the bathroom on some fucking eight-mile shit, like, looking in the mirror, like, like, you know, like, it was, like, like the movie or whatever. And then I, like, stopped for a second. I was like, wait. Like, why am I doing, like, you know, why should I be scared? Or why am I, like, prepping myself to go out there or something like that? Like, get off, you know, shit or get off the pile. Let's do it or whatever. Right. So I said, fuck this stupid, like, mental preparation thing. And I walked out there and I turned the fucking beats up loud and fucking did it or whatever. And and I remember uh, finishing that set. And um, I remember, like, you and Gavin coming up to me, actually. Um it's weird how things come full circle because playing this show yeah. tonight with Gavin. But um, I remember you guys coming up to me and just giving me a hug, man. And I remember you being like, man, that was really good or whatever. You yeah. know, that made me feel like I did it or whatever, you know, like I didn't just try it. I like did it or whatever. Right. And that like high, like doing that, I'd never felt anything like that, dude. There's something about getting behind a microphone that's not the same as having an instrument. So, yeah, I guess uh, I played that first show and Josh was there. Yeah, and I remember him being pumped about it, and that was about the time the rights to stuff had come out or whatever. I I think you guys came back from Europe. I don't remember. Josh, your timeline might be off. I think you guys actually took that CD to Europe, so it might have okay. been. You might have heard it when you were when it right when it came out or whatever. So, yeah. but um, yeah. So we played that. You gave me a ride home from that show, and uh, that's when I was like, I got to figure out how to get a car. That was another thing about the right stuff is I didn't have a car. I didn't have a computer. I had no way of, I mailed the shit to all, like, all you guys and stuff, yeah. you know, because I thought that's how it was done or so I didn't know. Like, uh, I mean, I had, like, MySpace and stuff. I was still, like, slow on that, right. like, whole right. thing. 
I think probably about the time you guys stopped using MySpace, I was still contacting you guys through MySpace, maybe. <laughs> um, and then I remember Josh, before he moved up here, he's like, man, you, you got to get a Facebook, dude, to like spread mm. this shit. It's a lot easier or whatever, you know? Yeah. And I think that opened up, like, as kind of st- stupid. And, I don't know. I'm just kind of way behind on that whole thing or whatever. No, no. Caught up now, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, so um, Josh moved up here. He, after the first show, basically after the very first show, he started playing with me or whatever. And uh, he, would, he would come to the shows as basically backup or whatever. He knew all the, the songs and the words he could, like, pump up or whatever. He was doing Hype Man at the time, but Josh has always been a writer and stuff. He's always said he wanted to be an author. Right. Bef- like, forever. I, since I can remember, I remember Josh, my mom being like, what do you want to go to college for? What do you want to do with your I want to be a writer. I want to write a book. So I remember like Josh saying that, you know, and he was getting into the music and, you know, I don't, I think, I don't know if he was reluctant to join me or whatever. Um, but I knew he could help, you know, with the words and stuff. He brings a completely different kind of, um, I don't know, like a different dynamic to the group or whatever. Yeah. So yeah, we went into this professional studio for the first time. Um, my friend Quan and Rodney, they really were impressed and uh, we began a relationship with them, and we recorded the first Bookhouse album uh, with them. More Light. Yeah, we call it More Light Through Bookhouse. Um, so we were learning this thing together. You know, we started figuring out that if we're going to do this, we need computers. Yeah. We need wheels. And uh, so we got all that stuff together. Um, this is 2011. Uh, we probably played four or five shows that year. Our, some of the first shows were big, man. You know, like, probably our fourth or fifth show, we came to Baltimore and played with Mickey and AK Slaughter and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And you, and we uh, brought Richard Benjamin with us. That whole show was a total disaster. That was the first time I realized this could be, like, not not disappointing, but you could disappoint yourself or by being ill-prepared. Right. Um. I'd also like to talk about how kind of ghetto Bookhouse was at first because we were so stupid and didn't realize like you need to be have your shit together, you know. Um, we're rolling with the laptop now, but then we were rolling with the DVD player, which is crazy. Right, right. I don't know if you remember Dan, but I was rolling with this DVD player, right. and uh, I had all my beats on a CDR, and I'd controlled the beats with the remote control. <laughs> which yeah. is fucking insane <laughs> well you know it, it's wild something I haven't told about like there's certain things that will totally fly in your your home space and then it gets tough when you take it on the road like like if if we were at the totally. dojo yeah, yeah. it would be like oh cool they got the DVD player Let's yeah wait yeah for them to like set it up and then like at a at another show it's like well, when we came to Baltimore, I don't. We didn't bust the DVD player out. What right, happened right. was, you know what I'm saying. Though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah definitely. Definitely. Just in but yeah, that was the <laughs> first time that we that I well that I personally realized that like I didn't. I don't think we failed because I think we adapted to that show really well. Yeah. But what happened was we had these whack CDRs. We right. threw it in Secret Weapon Dave's uh, laptop to play, and he's got this high tech DJ joint with the right, apple right, computer right. and shit not reading these whack files right and uh some of them were uploading and some of them weren't and we popping the disc in and out in and out trying to get it to work and then the ones that weren't uploading before were uploading and then god it was just a disaster and yeah. by the time we were like on stage you know richard i guess we we're just checking mics and shit richard starts freestyling and playing guitar and stuff we brought richard with us i don't know if you remember because we were going to do like a split yeah. set or whatever and that's another thing. Back then, I was always bringing people with me to shows and stuff because I wasn't confident in doing this shit by myself. Right, you know, like right, now right, it's right, just right. me and Josh rolling yeah. on the road. I'd always want to have like an extra road dog or company yeah. or something like that because I was kind of insecure. You know, but that can also be a disaster. Um, no diss to Richard. He's one of our no. biggest homies. But, uh, you know, if you don't know Richard or whatever, you don't get like his whole humor and stuff. But we get up stage and he starts freestyling and stuff, which is tight. He's sick on the mic. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, he starts telling these awkward jokes. And uh, I think we rolled into the Golden West like, yeah, we're sick. You know, but mm. we really were off of our game. 
Um, so the, you know, he's playing songs and we're trying to get these beats to work and they're just not working. Yeah. So we get a couple of them going and we play some songs and it was just kind of awkward and weird. And then, you know, they wouldn't work. So I was rapping over Richard's stuff and we're sharing songs together right. and we, we adapted to it. I think we busted out the acoustic at the end and the mic was sounded really shitty on the acoustic guitar. And I think that's real where I was like, man, I got to make it right. Mm. You know, next time I came in here, we are. Yeah. Uh, three, that's four years later, and I'm going to bring the shit tonight. Yeah. Without a doubt. So I don't know. It's a learning experience, but that was initially the first time where I was like, this can be very hard. It's not, you're not going to win every time or yeah. whatever, you know? So. Golden West is the most stressful place. It was like such a tiny, like, frame of, such a tiny window of time that had to happen. So I, I imagine it's just, I don't remember that super clearly, but I can just imagine it being like, oh, well, we just got to start, <laughs> even if we don't have our beats. Well, it's not even that, man, because it's a beautiful city, and it's almost awe-inspiring. From like, I mean, Winston-Salem's a good-sized city, yeah. you know, but Baltimore is a city. You, you, right. Yeah, it dwarfs it, you know? And to actually, like, come here and, like, wow, like, there's, like, this whole, like, beautiful world, and all you have to do is get in a car and, like, go and do it, you know? Right. Like, that in and of itself is like gonna psych anyone out but like so we we put out more light through and recorded this record right and then yeah. we, yeah, we onto the music. yeah yeah onto the music we we uh recorded uh the follow-up that was really weird because we, we were like piecemealing it you know because each of us were heavy writers you know it's it's almost like too we're so we're set on what we got to say that we do it and then we put it together yeah. you know it's like in the future that's you know we work together and all that but at the time like it was hammer, hammering it down right yeah you know but all right so we recorded that and it's weird because the very next day like after we got it mastered i went down to the show in winston and i ran into the snails you know oh, nice. and then met uh jimmy from friends records and you know the boys william and sam you know yeah and all those cats and uh they were they got the first two copies of our second record you know so jimmy got the third but that one came out and then aaron started working on his solo record um i think around that time i got up with you and you showed me the alan lomax and oh, yeah, uh yeah. moses ash stuff and i started to realize that like recordings don't have to be like studio yeah. recorded or whatever um to be good you know, I th I'm really proud of the stuff I put together with this uh, newest solo album. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I started working on stuff that I've been writing for a while, actually. Uh, some of that stuff goes back to, like, 2013 and stuff. Yeah. Um, and some of that stuff I still haven't put out. I'm actually going to do a song tonight that I think I gave you the words for one time. And, I like, Tangible, I don't know if you remember that track or whatever. I probably don't. Oh, you sent me the... Words, yeah, a long oh, time okay. ago, man. But stuff like that's just coming back, you know? Cool. Uh, but we just don't sit down and write music together. Like, yeah. we, we've been working on it. Like, we're trying to get together and have a set, like, we'll get up every week or something like that. Right. We just are busy all the time. But yeah. um, when it comes together, it comes together. You know, it's, yeah. uh, I go, I, I don't, you know, I read this uh, Onion article one time. It was an interview with uh, Merle Haggard. And he was talking about how he doesn't write records or anything like or songs you know he just comes out you know it just something hits him inside and he's like i gotta put it down you know yeah. and I, that's pretty much how i roll yeah, yeah um yeah. and at that time i downloaded like free music software off the internet and realized i could just do all this shit myself i finally came to the realization all you actually need is a computer yeah so all you uh beginners and amateurs out there don't waste tons of it like an indeterminate amount of money on these CDRs and stuff. Well, do that, but be economic about it and smart and put your money into something that matters, like a computer that you can actually work with. Yeah. Um, but anyways, yeah, I got the computer and realized I could record the shit myself. So I learned some of the stuff in the studio after going, recording with the studio guys and, uh, and watching people throughout, you know, this whole time. Yeah. You know, messing with it. And I figured it out myself. And I'm, I'm still very bad at it but i i think i made some good stuff with the salem's lot stuff i was yeah. happy with it i recorded all of those like 35 songs in like two weeks or whatever 
a lot of have been written from way back and I, you know, saved it. But yeah. uh so yeah, we did that and then Josh did his solo album uh, which is like the magical assault noise, dark noise. Yes. Yeah. And a primitive paranoia. And um so yeah, we just we got some other uh, little EPs or whatever we put out to yeah. the stuff that just didn't fit onto those albums or whatever. Um which I like them or whatever, but I feel like people are expecting something now. Like people want something now or whatever, you know, but we found a set that works live and it's getting a response. And uh, that took us a long time to figure out how to present a live set. Right. You know, it's like pick the best songs you got, the most representative songs. You know, it shouldn't be like that. You know, you should play around with it and see what people like and how people react to it. You know, totally. people don't necessarily have to come and be like, I like that one individual song. But if you got people coming up and being like, hey, I'm from Burlington or whatever, you want to come play at my place too? That's when it's like, I did something right tonight. You right. know? Right. So we started figuring that out. We played a lot of shows last year and uh, met a lot of new people and uh, we've been sticking with the same set, loosely modifying it every now and then. Stuff, but we're mostly just got this nice set that we really like and we keep playing new places, so we want to keep playing this Salem's Lot and old bookhouse stuff or whatever. Yeah. Um, tonight we're actually going to pepper in some new stuff. But... Uh, but yeah, so we got this creative engine revved up again. The new album's called Bubbling Crude. Um, it's a very different, so you've heard it. It's mostly beat-oriented. Yeah. Um, it's a lot different than anything we've heard bef- or made before. There's like some surf rock tracks and different stuff we've never messed with before. and um, it's I don't know, it's coming along cool. Yeah, that's where we are now. And we're taking it. We're going to keep moving forward. We're going to keep doing this stuff. Stay wild. Thanks so much. Thank you to all the people that were patient enough to listen to this insane conversation. All right. Thanks again to the boys. See you next week.